Good morning. Thank you for joining us once again as we come together to celebrate Jesus. He is steadfast, and all your hope can be placed in him. Do not lose heart. Remain faithful to Jesus. We've just come out of a time of celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection. This is one of the most important events in the Christian calendar. If it was not for Jesus' death and resurrection, then what we are believing in and for would all be for nothing. It would be a waste of time. But I know my Redeemer lives. So coming out of this celebration comes a very important question. It is an age-old question. Who is Jesus? The biggest question the world and individuals have had to answer over the last 2,000 years still remains the biggest question today. It is a question that Jesus asked his disciples and he is asking you that very same question. If you've got your Bibles with you, won't you please turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read from verse 13 to 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he makes it more personal. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And I'm asking you today, that same question, who do you say that Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Take note of this. Simon says, you are the son of the living God. Not some dead God, not some dead man, but the living God. He is risen. This is a very important question, not just for the disciples, but for each and every one of us. Who do you say Jesus is? Part of what I'm sharing with you today comes from a preach that I heard from Ron Crawford. And friends, I'd like to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? This question is still as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is as large today as he was 2,000 years ago. He looms over the whole of history. There has been more books written about Jesus than any other person in history. Not saying this is what he looks like, but more pictures have been painted of Jesus than any other celebrity or person who has ever lived. His book, The Bible, is the best-selling book of all time every single year. In fact, it so surpasses the sales of all other best-selling books that they don't even put it on the list. The dateline of Western world is set before his life and after his life. He looms over history. You can't ignore him. The question every thinking person has to ask themselves is, who is Jesus? Who is this massive figure that looms so large over history, that is so part of our history. What is your revelation of Jesus? Is he your Lord? Is he your Saviour? Is he your King? Is he your Dad? Your friend? Is he a life changer? A healer? 
a family transformer, a provider, a rescuer, a miracle worker, or just some mythical person, a good man, someone who lived 2,000 years ago. What is your revelation of Jesus? As God's children, our life should be a pursuit of getting to know Jesus. There is so much to learn about him, his nature, what he loves, what he cares about, his obedience, his submission, what he did on the cross, what his resurrection accomplished. And then just when you think you're starting to understand a little of Jesus, you realize that you still know very little because there's just so much more to know about him. His fullness, that our earthly minds just can't take it all in. It brings us to the point where we realize just how big Jesus is and how small we are. The sad thing about all of this is there are those who do not believe this. Everyone has to face that question of who is Jesus? Muslims have had to ask that question. They've said that Jesus was a prophet, a good man, but he was not the son of God. The Hindus have had to ask that question. It is difficult to know what they believe because there is such a broad spectrum of belief in the Hindu religion. But most believe Jesus to be some kind of deity. The Jews have had to ask this question. They said that Jesus was the son of Mary, that he was crucified. In days gone by, they believed that he was a miracle worker. C.S. Lewis, a great theologian and thinker of yesteryear, said that Jesus does not give you the option to conclude that he was a good man because his claims were so outrageous. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be risen from the dead. He claimed to be coming back again. He claimed to be able to save you and rescue you and fill you with his spirit. Those are not claims of some good humanitarian. Jesus was either deluded or what he had claimed was the truth. And that goes beyond just a good man. When Jesus asked his disciples this question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That same very question is being asked by Jesus to people all around the world. And the best place to go for the answers to that question is to the Word of God, the Bible. We're going to be reading from Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. And it speaks of the supremacy of God. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
So the first point here is Jesus is the image of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Father God is invisible, spiritual, and no one has seen him. But Jesus in John 14 verse 9 tells us that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the symbol of representation of God. What Jesus is saying to us is that if you know me, you know what God is like. God shows us what he is like through Jesus. Jesus is loving, kind, holy, just, courageous, loves people, rescues people. Through the example that Jesus set for us, we get to see what Father God is like. He is loving, he's kind, he's holy, he loves people, he rescues people. The nature of God was put on display by Jesus. What this means for us is that we should study Jesus. In studying Jesus, we get to see what God is like. Through Jesus, the Father is revealed. So I want to encourage you, study the scripture so that you can see more of God's nature. As we fall more and more in love with Jesus, the more the world will see God's nature being displayed through us. The world will get a glimpse of the invisible God as Jesus manifests himself through us. This is so incredible. We get to show the world what Father God looks like. What picture of the Father are you displaying? This is a scary thought. It depends on how much of Jesus you have inside of you. The second point here is Jesus is creator. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is not only the image of the invisible God, but Jesus is also creator. He was part of creation, but not only was he involved in creation? Everything that was created was for him. And again, here Jesus is showing us something of the Father. In this we see God who is all-powerful, who is a creative being. He is the origin of creation and all that is created is for his pleasure. When your life is lived for Jesus, it has purpose and meaning. When you don't live for him, your life has no purpose. It's like throwing it on a rubbish dump. It's going to waste. Let's not lose focus of this. That all we are, all that we believe in and teach and do, the way we live our lives, our families, all this was created for him. And when we do it for him, it has meaning. When we do it for ourselves or for our survival, it loses meaning. We end up pursuing things to fill the void in our lives. And things cannot take the place of Jesus. The third point is Jesus, the sustainer. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that everything, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus holds all things together. 
Everything in the universe is held together by the grace of God. If he had to lift his hand off of creation, the world would cease to exist. He, hold all, he holds all things together. He holds us together. Like I said, he holds all things together. It may look and feel right now like it's all falling apart, especially now with the coronavirus. But he holds it all together. He sustains all things. He keeps it in operation. He keeps it alive. Colossians 1 verse 18 tells us, He, that is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians 5 verse 23 tells us, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. The head can see it as a mind to be able to think and make decisions. Those decisions control the body. Jesus is the head of his church, the decision-making centre, the lens through which we see the world. When we as the body try and be the head, we will make a mess of the church because we are functioning outside of our scope of operations. Jesus is the head and we are the body. When the body tries to do the head's job, it becomes a monster. It will be like trying to see the world through a liver or an arm. It sounds funny, but that's what it's like. It's ridiculous. That's not its function. It can't do it. Take your cue from the head, which is Jesus. See the world through his eyes, through his perspective. For us, it might be like foolishness. It might seem foolish to us, but not to Jesus. He knows what he is doing. He's not confused or caught off God. He is in full control. The, fifth, uh, the fourth point is, Jesus is king. Verse 18 says to us, He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. This does not mean that Jesus is a created being. What firstborn means is that he is the first master and he is the first lord. Paul was writing in connection with his kingship. Firstborn also carries with it the concept of inheritance. Jesus is the first master, the first Lord, and he inherits the world. This brings such comfort to us in times like this. He is in charge. He is not concerned. And we, his subjects, come under his government and his lordship, under his rule. And I want to say that he will take good care of us because he knows what we need. The fifth point is Jesus is the Prince of Peace. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus made peace between man and God through his death on the cross. 1 Peter 2 verse 10 tells us this, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received it. He brings peace. He is the Prince of Peace and he wants you to experience the peace that only he can bring if you will allow him to. 
So coming back to the question that I asked in the beginning, who do you say Jesus is? If you do not personally know Jesus, the Creator, Jesus, the Sustainer, Jesus, the King, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, then today I want to give you the opportunity to get to know Him as Lord and Saviour of your life. If this is something you would like to do, then I would like to lead you in a prayer, asking Jesus to come into your life and to save you. Will you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I realize that I am a sinner and that I am in need of a Savior. Father, I realize that I have lived my life for my own pleasure. Today I want to hand over my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, those things that I have done wrong, those things that are not pleasing in your sight. And I surrender my will, my love, over to you, Jesus. I ask that you will come into my life, that you will change me and make me into the person that you want me to be. I ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. If you have done this, then according to the Bible in Romans 10 verse 13, it says that, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It said everyone, that includes you. You are now a child of God if you've prayed that prayer. And he wants you to start to live your life as his child in obedience to him. I would like to pray this blessing over you. It comes from Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. May God richly bless you during this lockdown time. My prayer for you is that during this time you will get to know Jesus in his fullness. That when people look at you, they will see the Father shining through you. Because you have so much of Jesus in you. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Amen.